Amen, church? You know why we say amen, right? Some of you are like, no, I have no idea. You just tell me to say it all the time, so I just say it. Good on you. But it means, when we say amen, it means let that be in my life. Like, let that be. I stand in agreement with that. I want that in my life. So when there's mountains in the way, when there's things in the way, and I'm saying, God, you've moved them before, move it again. And we say amen, we're saying, God, do it again. And I'm standing in agreement with it. So amen? Amen. Awesome. Just a brief little lesson for you guys. You guys sound great. It's amazing. Welcome to church this morning as we continue through the series of Joseph, the pit to the prison and the palace. Has this been encouraging to anybody? Yes. Amen. It's been an awesome series. And so we're in uh, week six, five, 10, 12. I have no idea. I've been preaching them. Amazing. But we are on to the palace. Praise God. You're all like, praise the Lord. We've been in the pit, then the prison. Now we're at the palace. Praise God. But I'm just going to preach a brief message this morning. Is that all right? And we're going to pray for some people. Because uh, this is a powerful word. I, I, I truly believe it. I've been sitting on this word all week, and I'm just excited to get it off to you. But if you haven't been with us, let me just give you a quick recap, uh, first and foremost. So Joseph, maybe you've seen it on the Broadway play. Maybe you've seen the movie or heard about him. But Joseph was the, the dreamer in the Old Testament. He was the one that received a coat of many colors. Maybe that resonates with some of you. He was a, a dreamer among men. Joseph had dreams from heaven, and he shared them. And as he shared them to his brothers and his family, they didn't really necessarily like him. So they threw him into a pit. But they said, you know what? We shouldn't kill our brother. We want to we wanna not do that. Thank you. Good call, brothers. So they sold him off to slavery, right? And he made his way to Egypt, the, the strongest nation at that time, Egypt. And he arrived to Egypt, and he was in a house of a high official, and he was doing great things. He was serving the official so well. Potiphar, we learned about that. And as he was in there, he learned his call. He worked on his call from what God called. I want you each and every one of you to know you have a calling on your life. We're going to discover that even more today. But he learned in the moments. It was a training ground for him. And then he didn't do anything wrong, but he ended up in prison for something he didn't do. And even while he was in prison, because he fought off temptations, we discovered last week. That was an encouraging word to anybody. I needed to hear that. Amen. So he fought off temptations, and he landed in a prison. And even in the prison... God's hand, Scripture said, was still on him. So no matter what happens in life, no matter what you're walking through in life, no matter what trials you're facing, no matter what prison you may be in today, God's hand is still for you. It's still on you. Maybe somebody just needs to hear that today. So as we discover, we're going to open up our Bibles to Genesis 41. If you have your Bibles, if you don't, there's going to be a giant Bible right up on the screen here in a second. So for all of you that didn't bring it, it's going to be up there. Genesis 41. We're going to start in verse 1. Let me just say this, too, before we kick in, because I completely forgot. Sorry. Happy Father's Day once again to all the dads. Uh, We have a gift for you in the back when you guys leave. Joseph will be standing back there. So all the men in the room, whoop, whoop for men. Come on now. All the women. Let me just share this story. I was sharing with somebody earlier today. You know, Mom's Day was a few weeks back, and my wife had these amazing plants and all this stuff ready for the women. And I go, hey, Hey, my beautiful wife, I love you to death. What are we doing for the dads? She's like, I don't know. Men, you know what I'm saying, right? We're all there. Ain't nobody care about us. So men, I took care of you. I got you. Took care of you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Henry. So there's a little gift for you back there. Use it. Check it out. But uh, we just want to honor you, men. Let me just say this, men, because not only do I want to honor you, but I want to push you. Can I do that? More than ever today, this generation that we're living in, 
besides World War I and World War II, this is the most fatherless generation of all time. Did you guys know that? The most fatherless generation of all time is right now. And I'm declaring over this church, every single man, don't put your head down, men. You need to hear this. This is good news. You are going to be strong men of God. You're going to be strong fathers. Even if you are a father, you're going to be a greater father than you are today. You're going to lead your family in the things of God. You're going to show your family what it is to be a man of God. No longer is the world going to grab a hold of our men. Our men are going to step up, especially as followers of Jesus, and they're going to rise up, especially in this church. Amen. That is my prayer for you. I'm declaring that over you. I'm speaking it over you. Receive it. Take hold of the mantle of what it means to be a father and to be a man. Love people. Care for people. Lead your family. And I promise you will be blessed. Amen? Back to the sermon. Genesis 41. You guys there? I'm not, so praise the Lord. Here we go. We're going to read it. We're going to read a little bit of scripture, but it's all right. It's good. So when two full years had passed, just there, right there, Joseph, he's in prison for two years. Two years. Two full years had passed. Pharaoh, the leader of Egypt, had a dream. He was standing by the Nile River when out of the river there came up seven cows, sleek and fat, And they grazed among the reeds. After them, seven other cows, ugly and gaunt, came up out of the Nile and stood beside those on the riverbank. And the cows that were ugly and gaunt ate up the seven sleek, fat cows. Then Pharaoh woke up. He fell asleep again. I love scripture. He woke up, fell asleep again. Scripture's awesome. He fell asleep again and had a second dream. Seven heads of grain, healthy and good. They were growing on a single stalk. After them, seven other heads of grain sprouted thin and scorched by the east wind. The thin heads of grain swallowed up the seven healthy full heads. Then Pharaoh woke up. It had been a dream. In the morning, his mind was troubled. So he sent for all the magicians and wise men of Egypt. Pharaoh told them his dreams. But no one could interpret them for him. Then the chief cupbearer said to Pharaoh, Today I am reminded of my shortcomings. Pause right there. Let me just tell you what happened in chapter 40. Is that all right? Because we're not going to read all this. You guys would be like, what in the world? Chapter 40, there's a story about Joseph in prison. There's a cupbearer and there's a baker in there in prison with him. They both have dreams. And they come to Joseph and they say, here are my dreams. Because Joseph sees them startled. And he's like, what's up? What's good? And they're like, we just had some dreams. And they both share the dreams. And one of the men, the baker, realizes that he's going to get out of the prison. And then he's going to get in some more trouble. And Pharaoh's going to hang him. Good news. (laughs) Not so good. But Joseph tells him. And then he tells the cupbearer, you're going to get out of prison and you're going to serve next to Pharaoh again and you're going to do great and mighty things. But Joseph says to the guy, remember me. Remember me when you get out of prison. Make sure you go tell Pharaoh that I was the one that helped you get out of here. The dude does not remember Joseph at all till this point. You guys with me? Just want to give a little background. So he goes, oh no. I promised something to someone and I completely forgot. That's another sermon, another time. I'm believing you it's going to be a great sermon. I've already got it down. But that, man, sometimes people forget us. But let me tell you something. God's not forgotten you. You've maybe kicked out, thrown out, forgotten. He's not forgotten you. He sees you. Back to the scripture. The chief cupbearer said to Pharaoh, Today I'm reminded of my shortcomings. Pharaoh was once angry with his servants, and he imprisoned me and the chief baker in the house of the captain of the guard. Each of us had a dream the same night, and each dream had a meaning of its own. Now a young Hebrew, Joseph, was there with us, a servant of the captain of the guard. He told him our dreams, and he interpreted them for us, giving each man the interpretation of his dream. And things turned out exactly as he interpreted them to us. I was restored to my position, and the other man was impaled. 
So Pharaoh sent for Joseph, and he, set, he was quickly brought from the dungeon. When he, had sha- when he had shaved and changed his clothes, he came before Pharaoh. Pharaoh said to Joseph, I had a dream, and no one can interpret it. But I have heard it said of you that when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. I cannot do it, Joseph says. He didn't say, yeah, I can do that. I got this. I'm the man for the job. Joseph says something very important. I cannot do this. But God can. I cannot do it, Pharaoh, but God will give Pharaoh the answers he desires. Jesus, we trust you. We believe in you. We thank you for this word. We thank you, God, that you can do it. We thank you, God, that your word promises this. God, help us to know that you are the one that can do all things. God, we are your people. Speak through me right now. Open up hearts and minds. May this message come out clear. God, may it just change and impact people's lives. God, may you push us forward. May your kingdom move forward. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I can't do it, but God can do it. There was a sense of confidence in Joseph as he said that to Pharaoh, but not necessarily a sense of cockiness. There's a difference, right? We know the difference. Confidence versus cockiness. There was a time I was in college once again, and I always share this story to just kind of bring them practically home. Where I was somewhat confident in who I was, I was a soccer player in college, and actually my roommates, all three of them were football players. I may have shared this with some of you, so if you know the story, laugh regardless. But I was a roommate to them, and, and, and in that moment, it was late at night, we were up doing whatever, not so probably good things. And so as we started to mess with one another, we started to get a little cocky with one another. If you're a man in the room, you know what I'm talking about. You start to puff your chest out like, no, I'm better than you. No, I'm better than you. That stuff started to happen really dumb, right? And it came to the point where I was the soccer player. They were the football players. And I was like, to the football player, the middle linebacker at the university who held the NAI all-time leading tackle record, I said to him, bro, I could outrun you easily in pads in a football. If I had a football, I could easily outrun you. He's like, oh, yeah? I was like, easily done. I was like, better yet, I bet you I could fair catch a football or, or take a punt and outrun you and beat you. He's like, let's go right now. I was like, right now? I was like, done, let's go. It's midnight. We go out to the football fields. They get a helmet and shoulder pads out of the football lockers, completely illegal. We could have all lost our scholarships, all been kicked out of school for this moment. Praise God for grace. So they're like, you sure, JP? Now all my buddies are there, and they're like pumping me up. You know when you get pumped up with something when you're about to do it and you're realizing as they're pumping you up, you're thinking this is really bad because if they're for this and they're laughing about this, I should really check this real quick. I didn't do that. So I put the helmet on. I put the shoulder pads on. Jeremy is about 30 yards away from me. And I'm looking at him. And they're like, are you ready? And I'm like, oh, I'm ready. Bring this. Let's do this. And the one buddy chucks the football up in the air. I'm watching the ball. Watching it, watching it, watching it, watching it. I don't remember hitting the ground. Swear to God. I got hit so hard. He ran 30 yards as fast as he could. There's a video of it. I was knocked out. They were smacking my face. No, concussed. Literally knocked out. They're picking me up off the ground going, Jay, you got to wake up. We can't get in trouble. Come on, wake up. Wake up. They're dumping water on my face. He hit me so hard. Drilled me square in the chest. My body kind of went like this. You know that moment where you see the body just do that? Jeremy hit me so hard I was dead. I was dead. I went to practice the next day. I didn't even remember where I was. My coach was like, what happened to you? I was like, I don't know, coach, but I'm here. Let's do this. I was like wandering off into the field somewhere. He's like, Jay, you got to, what happened to you last night? It was stupid. It was dumb. 
There was a moment in my life where I was like, man, I lost some brain cells in that moment. That was not worth it. But how many of you know that oftentimes we're that way? Maybe not necessarily getting tackled by a football player. But oftentimes we're like, oh, no, we can do this. We can handle this. I got this. This is my terms. I can do this. I'm built for this. I'm made for this. I was born for this. That's the attitude. Just me? Just me sometimes. No, that's, I truly believe, the attitude of some of you sometimes. All of us, to be frank. Where we go, oh, no, God, I'll handle this. Oh, no, God, that mountain that's in the way, I'm strong enough to push that mountain in the way. Oh, no, that problem that's standing in front of me, I'm strong enough to move that out of the way. Oh, God, you haven't brought me Mr. Right or Mrs. Right. I'll go find him myself because I can handle this. Oh, we've all been that. We've all done it. We've allowed the confidence of ourselves to come in instead of looking at what Scripture says time and time and time again. What Joseph says. And he says to the man in charge... To the man of Egypt, in charge of Egypt. And he looks at him and says, what you're asking me to do, I can't do it. But I know the one that can. I know the God that can. The God that brought me to this place, he'll interpret it for you. He'll do what he needs to do for you. He'll make it happen. See, maybe just maybe I I wonder if I get in that situation and I'm like, oh yeah, I can do this. You call me, Pharaoh? What's up? We good? I'm about to get a promotion, hello. I'll do do that dream for you real quick. I'll take care of it. Why? Because that pride starts to raise. The things in us, so, no, yeah, no, it's me, I got it. I can do it. And Joseph shows us something powerful. He says, nope, it's not me. It's not me. It's never been me. These dreams that I've interpreted time and time again, the way that I've worked in, the, in, the, in the, at the house of Potiphar, the way that I've operated time and time again, it's never been me, but it's been God. It's been God. If you're sitting in the room today and you're like, who's he talking about? Who's this God? Let me just tell you what we believe here at Oasis. We believe in Jesus Christ. The King of kings, the Lord of lords, the one that created this universe, the one that puts you together in your mother's womb from the very beginning of time, that has not made a mistake and he didn't start with you. We believe in Jesus, the one that went to a cross, bloodied, beat up, dead, went to the grave, rose again for three days, after three days, for what? So that we could spend eternity with him. And then he said, guess what? I want to bring heaven to earth, so I'm going to do that. That's who we believe in at this church. He loves you. He's smiling upon you. He's for you. He's not against you. That's the God that Joseph was pointing back going, that's the one that can do this. Amen? This isn't a quiet church. I say it all the time. Let's go, church. Wake up. You got some coffee in you, I know. But I think more than ever today in the church world or followers of Jesus, there's a lack of humility. There's a lack of humility. And we've been discovering discernment throughout this series. I think discernment gives us the ability to remain humble. See, Joseph had the ability to discern, you know what, I'm here in this moment. I'm with Pharaoh. I've landed where my dreams have called me to be. I'm here. He's there right now in the moment. And you know what, all those lessons that he learned prior, all the discernment that he had to know prior, it was in that moment right there where it came to be. He said, I'm here. All right, I'm here now. And let me just tell you, Because he could have said, let me just tell you, I got this. I can handle this. Nope. He said, but God can. But God can. I think there's some people, I see it in some of your faces. 
you're walking through some stuff right now and you're trying to tackle it on your own. You're trying to wrestle it on your own. You're trying to do it on your own. There's a powerful thing right here. There's not much more I can say. I could say this. We could pray for some people and release you, but just to maybe look at our lives and say, you know what, God, I'm not where I should be. I don't have what I'm, what I'm, what I'm supposed to have in my, my thinking. I'm not exactly in the place where you've called me to. This isn't the dream you've placed in my heart. But instead of saying, you know what, God, I'm just giving up on you. I'm just going to walk. You know what? You didn't, you didn't meet me where I'm at. I think some people in the room need to put their feet in the ground and say, no, he's still going to do it. He's still going to come through. He's still going to move. He's still going to be for me and not against me. He's the one that's going to do it. It isn't us. Oh, we're his vessels, so he uses us. But we as followers of Jesus need to look at ourselves and go, no, I need some humility. I need to know and remember that what I've been given, the talents, the call, everything that I have is a gift from God. It's a gift. Oh, I've worked really hard to get where I have. Granted, you probably have, and good on you. But he created you. He put those abilities in you. He wired your little brain. I was just talking to somebody. He's a chemical engineer. He's in this room. I said to him, you're a bazillion times smarter than I ever will be. I said to him, God didn't wire my brain to be a chemical engineer. Thank God. I would be looking at that stuff going, um, yeah, let's just build it. Yeah, it looks good. Let's put these wires here together. Yeah, let's see if it works. Let's test it out. Looks good to me. So God didn't put that in me. He put something else in me. He put something else in you. He put a different wiring in you. He gave you some different things that need to be used here on this earth. The city needs each and every one of you. But God is the one that does it. But God. Discernment and getting close to God keeps us full of humility to always look back and ahead saying, I can't. But God can. Did you catch that? Looking back and looking ahead saying, I can't, but God can. See, he did it, he's doing it, and he's going to do it. He moved, he's moving, he's going to move. He did it, he's going to do it, he's going to continue to do it. The promises he had yesterday are still for me today and tomorrow. The things that he's told me that I'm going to be a part of yesterday is still today and tomorrow. What he did yesterday, he's still going to do today and tomorrow. The future ahead for me is bright. Amen. We got people in the church just walking around like, man, I don't have a bright future. Just here on earth, just here, just buying time. And I'm like, why? We get one shot at this. You guys hear me all the time. We get one shot at this life. One shot. I got one chance. I don't know what tomorrow brings. Better yet, I don't know what the next minute brings. So right now, I'm like, you know what, God? The God that I read about in Scripture, the God that put Joseph before Pharaoh to change a nation, the same God that moved mountains, that calmed the storms, that raised people from the dead, that gave sight to the blind. That same God is still the God that can do it today. Well, I'm going to preach for a second. Because I just think more than ever, we just got some people that are like, well, and the world's going to burn. We just buy in time. Let it happen. Man, I see the news. I watch the news. It's crazy out there. Don't step outside. Lock your doors. Stay in. I'm like, what? why? That stuff was happening back then. Things were crazy back then. It's the same God yesterday, today, forever. But if we have a sense of humility, if we have a sense of calling and discernment saying, man, God, you've put me here in this moment. I'm here for something. I just want to point it back to you. What I have, all that I have, all my talents, all my abilities, they are from you. And so let me be the vessel. 
Let me be used by you. Let me give them back to you. Better yet, let me show people you. Guys, I'm not some deep theologian pastor. I'm sorry. It's real simple for me. Love God and love people. Serve God and serve people. If I, if I, sorry. I'm sorry. But you know what? That's the core of this faith. That's it. And Joseph in that moment, I believe, I just wonder in that room of people in Egypt. Egypt wasn't serving our God. Can I just say that? The Egyptians were not like, yes, God, the God of the, God of the universe. Yep, that's who he's talking about. No, they were all like, um, we serve a lot of other gods. We pray to some weird idols and all that stuff. We don't know who he's talking about. In that room, in, in front of Pharaoh, that dude had the strength. <laughs> Wheels were turning way too fast. It was, never mind. He had the strength to say, I can't. But let me tell you about this God that can. Let me tell you about my dad. Let me tell you about my king. He can do it. Amen? It keeps us humble. You know humility is attractive? How to say that? Humility is attractive. You know, we, we all love the friend that tells us everything he's good at. We don't. If you're in the room and you're that guy, maybe you should check yourself. Probably me. I got it. But, you know, we, humility is attractive. When you've got a humble heart, it's like, man, I, I, I can hang with you. I can learn from you. I can discover you. You know, I brag about him all the time. I can brag about a lot of people, but Jordan. Jordan's one of my best friends. He's the guy that's good at everything. Literally, he's good at everything he does, and I hate him for it. I hate a strong word. I love him deeply. But he's good at everything. And you know what's amazing about Jordan? Can I just brag about him for a second? I'm going to. He's never like, yeah, man, it's all me. It's all me, man. Check this guitar playing out. Let me just, oh, let me just lead so well because it's me. He wouldn't be up there. Can I just say that? He wouldn't be up there. I wouldn't have him up there. If his heart and the heart of a lot of people in this church wasn't full of humility of like, you know what? God can do it. I'm just here. I'm just here for a moment. God's here forever. I want to see God's kingdom move forward. I want to be filled with humility. That's attractive. We got Christians today that people don't want to be around. You want to know why? Because you're bragging about everything and anything. You're telling them all the stuff you have. All the things you've accomplished. Accomplishments aren't bad. Joseph accomplished a lot of stuff. When he came to the moment, when he came around people, when he was a witness to the people, his heart was filled with humility. He didn't have to tell everybody a story. Let me just tell you everything I've done. Let me just share the story with you. No, he just said, cool, I'm here, I'm in this moment. All right, I can't do it, but God can. That's amazing. I want people to be attracted to us as a church, amen? Yes. Amen. Three things. I told you it wasn't long. I'm just going to pray for people today. Because I believe more than ever, we need to just look at our lives and say, I can't, but God can. I can't do it. I've tried. I've messed it up. I can't do it. You can do it, God. I trust you to do it. I'm going to see you move mountains. You can do it. When we have that mindset, when we know that trusting God will keep us in the place of saying he can do it, the first thing is this. You receive a God-sized vision for your life. A God-sized vision for your life. You know, vision's a good thing for your life. Having a mission for your life is important. Writing down what you're called to do is important. I challenge you to do that. But getting a God-sized vision for your life, that's what starts to make some stuff happen. You know, the scripture talks about it in Proverbs 29. Where there is no vision, people will perish. Scripture says that. Where there's no vision, people will start to perish. So when you have 
the discernment to say, you know what, God, I want your heart. I want you. I need you. I want to stay humble with you. I know that you can do it. You start to get the vision from heaven for your life. You're like, I don't know what God's called me to do. I don't, you talk about calling all the time. I have no idea what he's, what he's calling me to do. Just maybe, maybe, just maybe. You've been trying to do it. Instead of saying, I'm not this good. I can't do this. But God can do it. God, give me your vision. Give me what you have for me. Show me what you want me to do here. Show me how I can impact my city, my school, my, my neighborhood. Show me, God. Give me your God-sized vision so that I can receive and so that I can go change so that the people won't perish. Joseph had a God-sized vision. Guess what? He saved a whole lot of people. We'll discover this last, next week as we close this series out. He saved a ton of people. A nation. Because he said, I want a God-sized vision for my life. I'll take God, God's vision over it. Verse 33 says this. I'll just read it real quick. If I can get there, praise the Lord. Joseph tells Pharaoh his dreams. He interprets it for him. He tells him what's going to happen. And then Pharaoh said, and this is what's said. And now let Pharaoh look for a discerning and wise man, Joseph speaking, and put him in charge of the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh appoint commissioners over the land to take a fifth of the harvest of Egypt during the seven years of abundance. They should collect all the food in all these good years they are coming and store up the grain under the authority of Pharaoh to be kept in the cities for the food. This food should be held in reserve for the country to be used during the seven years of famine that will come upon Egypt so that the country may not be ruined by the famine. What are you saying, JP? Joseph interprets a dream for Pharaoh. Pharaoh says, this is what's going to happen. Joseph said, guess what? You're going to have seven years of abundance. Then you're going to have seven years of famine. we got to start storing some food up. we got to save a nation. I would be like, um, it's a great dream. I have no idea. But then I check myself and I go, you know what? But if God can do it, if I know God's done it, if I trust that God can do it, if I know that God can speak to me, He'll give me the interpretation for that dream. He would show me that. He gave Joseph a God-sized vision for Egypt. There's some people in the room that he's given a God-sized vision for a city called Chicago. Step into it. Desire it. Receive it. Open your heart to it. Not my plans, God, your plans. Not my ways, God, your ways. He'll give it to you. He will do it. Second thing is this. When you know it's... God, you receive the God-ordained positions. You receive God-ordained positions. When you stay humble, when you stay close to God, when you're not bragging, when you're not trying to do it on your own, guess what you receive? God-ordained positions. That doesn't mean that every single one of you is going to be famous, is going to be rich. I don't believe that. Just a statement here from the Pastor Voices. What I do believe is that he's going to position you exactly in the places that he needs you to be. Well, I want that position. No, you don't. Well, I want to be over there at that position. No, you don't. Because you may not be equipped. Your brain might not be wired for that position. You're wired and called for the position right here, right now. This is a God-ordained position. Joseph stepped into a God-ordained position. He's before Pharaoh. Pharaoh says all this stuff. I can't find anybody. And Pharaoh says in the next couple verses, you're it, Joseph. You're the dude. After Joseph tells him this dream, Joseph just thought he was going to maybe interpret the dream. That's it. I interpret the dream for Pharaoh. I'll go do my thing. And Pharaoh says, thanks. Uh, you're going to stay now. Oh, by the way, you're going to be my right-hand man. We're going to ride through the city of Egypt together, and everyone's going to be shouting your name. I was just in prison. 
I just went from a prison now to being on a chariot riding through the streets of Egypt because I had God with me. All right, this is cool. I'm good with it. He stepped into his position. Step into the position of what God's called you to step into because each and every person in this room, I said, has a calling from heaven and God needs you here in this city. You want to know what it is? You want to discover what it is? Get close to him. Cry out to him. Joseph, we see this story. Joseph was almost from the pit to the palace. It was more than 16 years in between. We read this going, wow, that was a really fast story. I do. 16 years. It discovered, it took time to discover it. 16 years. So if you don't know what it is yet, if you haven't heard exactly what it is yet, that's okay. Just wait. 16 years. And it was revealed to him. But God's got a position for you. He's got a place for you. He's got a calling for you. How eager and how much do you want to wait for it? How much? The last thing is this, and Jordan could come up. Is this encouraging you? I can't, but God can. I can't do it, but God can do it. I want us to walk around earth saying this. I want us to walk around the city saying, I can't do the things that God's called me to do, but he can do it through me. He can do it. He can do what he's called to. People ask me all the time, what do you want for this city? I say, you want to you wanna know what I want? I want what God wants in this city. Because you know what? My plans are cool. I'll write them down. I'll journal. I'll discover. I'll pray. But at the end of the day, what do I want? What God wants. What do I want to do? What God can only do. The impossible. The impossible. Point number three is this. When you know it's God, you receive the faith to see the impossible. JP, you've preached on that point before. Oh, yeah, and I'm probably going to preach on it a lot more. Because this faith of the followers of Jesus today more than ever, I, I'm just going to say it. We, we, we don't trust him to do the impossible. We look at what he's done, and we see everything around us, and we think, God, you're not moving here in Chicago. You're not doing what you've told us you would do. You're not making it happen. You're not calming the violence. You're not restoring family. You're not, no, no, no. It's because there's a lack of faith. I believe it. There's a story in the Bible where the disciples go to try to heal a man, right? And Jesus shows up to them. And they said, Jesus, we can't, we can't do this. These were his disciples. These were his homies, his boys, the one that watched him do everything else. And they said, Jesus, we can't we can't do this. We can't help this man. We, we, we thought you commissioned us to do this. And he said, it's because you lack faith to do it. It's not that they didn't have faith. They just lacked a little bit of faith. They just lacked the moment. You know, Scripture doesn't tell us to have a lot of faith to believe. It just says have faith the size of a mustard seed. Tiny little faith. But that faith better be consistent. That's what scripture talks about. It doesn't talk about have the massive faith, believe, no, it just says have a little bit of faith day in and day out, hour by hour, minute by minute, second by second to believe that God can do the impossible. Joseph had the faith to believe it. Joseph said, I, I shouldn't be here. I, I, how did I get here? But I have the faith to believe that God's called me to this place and what he's called me to do, he's gonna see it through. What God's commissioned me to do, he's gonna see it through. I have the faith to believe the impossible. Matthew 19, 26 says this, and we're going to close. But Jesus looked at them and said, with man, this is impossible. But with God, it's possible. But with God, all things. Doesn't say some things. Doesn't say a few things. I believe Joseph had that sense of the spirit of God when he was sitting in that pit and when he was sitting in that prison and he was arriving to, the, to, to Pharaoh's house. He said, man, I... The things I can do, they're not possible. But with God, they're more than possible.
with the God I serve, with the God I believe, things can start to be possible in my life. You know, maybe, just maybe, as we close, I just wonder, man, are we going to take the right place in this city as a church? Are we going to take the right place as followers of Jesus and say, you know what? There's a lot of things that need to be done in the city. If you look around, there's a lot of stuff that needs to change in the city. But guess what? I can't do it, but God, the one that's behind me, the one that's before me, the one that's next to me, he can do it, and he's going to do it. Maybe, just maybe, we wake up and we put our feet on the ground and we say, hey, today I got faith to see you move mountains. It's not much, God, but I got the faith to believe it. I got the trust to believe it. I got the hope to see it done. You're going to save my family. You're going to restore my marriage. You're going to change my situation. You're going to provide in ways only you can provide. I don't know what i got to do to preach because this is the truth of Jesus Christ. If we just believe for a little bit that he can do the impossible, then maybe, just maybe, we won't settle for what he does not have for us. Maybe, just maybe, we won't settle to see this city constantly on the news for violence. Maybe, just maybe, we won't just go file the divorce papers because it's gotten too hard. Maybe, just maybe, Maybe we'll walk up into the hospital when our child's sick or our family member's sick and we'll say, God, I can't do this, but you can heal this. Maybe. He can do it. Do we have the faith to believe it? Do we have the heart, the passion? You're the pastor, JP. you got to believe this. Oh! You're followers of Jesus. You have the opportunity to see the impossible. Who wants to see the impossible done? If you put your hand up, this is going to start, this stuff is going to start working in your life. I want to see the impossible done. I want to see Egypt, a nation, change because some mighty men and women rose up, raised up, and said, God's going to do it. He's going to do it. Let me pray for you this morning. Father, you're worthy. You're so good to us. God, thank you that we get to see a mighty example through Joseph. Father, what it means to just constantly go to you, to run to you, to be faithful to you, God, no matter what, if it's a pit or a prison, God, or we arrive to the palace, God, that we, God, get to see an example of a man that says, I can't do it, but my God most surely can. So, Father, that's who we're crying out today. We're crying out that you surely can do it. You can change people. You can heal people. You can release people. You can set the captive free from bondage, from sin, from shame, from addictions. God, you can restore relationships. You can put families back together. God, you can bring peace where there's chaos. God, with you, you can do the impossible. So Jesus, I just declare over each and every person, God, that today their faith will take take mighty root, God, in you. That Jesus, you'll just do what only you can do. God, that you will just move the mountains and people. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I just want to pray over you. If you have a, a specific need in this place, if you're battling, if you're, if you're raging some stuff, if you're in the thick of things, if you're in the midst of chaos and confusion right now, and you just need to be reminded that you can't do it, you can't fix it, but God can do it, I just want you to slip your hand up on the count of three because we're going to pray in agreement together. We're going to stand in agreement over you. So if you need Jesus to move, if you're crying out desperate to see him move in your situation and what you're going through and what you're walking through, just slip your hand up. One, two, three. Slip them up. Amen, amen. God sees them. He sees the hands. Amen. Anybody else? Keep them up. Keep them up. No one's looking around. Jesus sees it. Jesus sees it. I'm just going to pray over these. 
Father, we see, and you see more importantly, each and every hand that's lifted, God, you know the needs, you know the circumstances, you know the situations that people are walking through. God, I pray by your powerful spirit that you will come down and you will meet them right now. God, that heaven will come to earth in these people's lives. God, that you will move the mountains, you will do more than what we can see, God. God, we trust you, we believe in you, we know, God, that you can do it. So, Father, speak peace, speak healing, speak deliverance over people, God. Father, we trust you to do it. It is in Jesus' name we pray. God, we thank you. We bless you. We honor you. We praise you, God, for you are worthy of our praise. God, do it again, oh, Father. We trust you. We love you. It's in Jesus' name. Why don't you stand to your feet as we sing this going out today? Come on.